This is episode 80 of the Creative Spirits Podcast. I'm your host, Cheryl Benji. Today's guest is Sonia Sanford. She is a writer and chef based out of Portland, Oregon. She specializes in Ukrainian and Soviet food, modern Jewish food, and seasonal cooking. Her culinary background includes chefing, food styling, teaching, and food writing. I've been wanting to have a chef on my podcast for a while now because I do feel cooking is such a wonderful creative outlet and it's so important in our daily lives and I hope this inspires you to get out of your comfort zone if you're afraid to get in the kitchen or it inspires you to even cook more and make your Uh, food into a work of art. So please stay tuned for this inspiring episode with Sonia. You are listening to the Creative Spirits Podcast. I'm your host, Cheryl Benji. I'm an artist, art educator, and creative coach. I'm here to share my journey and experience with you. I also interview other artists and creatives and share their words of wisdom. I believe we were all born to create. It just takes a little bit of practice, patience, and persistence to get to where you want to be. So please stay tuned for a magical episode. Hi, Sonia. Hi. Well, thank you for being here today. And we've known each other. For a while through a coaching program and it feels like we already know each other like we, we said so it's nice too. <laughs> I know it's nice to be in conversation even though we've been in kind of Facebook conversations yeah. this is more real time. Exactly and I have been fascinated by everything you're doing in the cooking world. I love to cook. I love to bake and I am just fascinated by chefs and what they do and I feel like it's such a creative endeavor and I want to know your journey how you got into that and yeah your story um yeah the the food story sort of it runs parallel to some of my other creative work Um, So I've always just really known I want to be creative and collaborative with people. And I also, you know, I was a painter when I was little. I was always writing my whole life, but I also really loved food and cooking. And it was something I started teaching myself at a young age. So every summer I would teach myself how to make different recipes. I learned stuff on Food Network or PBS or cookbooks. And I never thought of it as a career because, um, partly because my parents who came from the former Soviet union really instilled in us that we, you know, should be like doctors or lawyers or get advanced degrees. And food wasn't one of the things that they were necessarily pushing me to do. Um, But yeah, I just kept finding myself, you know, always cooking, always hosting from a very young age, starting to throw dinner parties in high school. And then I was working in the film industry in Los Angeles. And after a few years of that, I wasn't quite satisfied with my work And I ended up um, just pursuing, giving myself time to pursue what I love to do. I was like, I'm just going to wake up every day and do something I love. And I ended up in that time of transition, getting a job as a personal chef in Hollywood. And that was like my first real food job. 
And because I had had this background in television and this background in food, that sort of led to doing food television. So there was a producer who hired me to work on her cooking show. And then I got promoted on that show. And then I started working on cookbooks and food styling and culinary producing. And so like what started out as personal chefing and TV as isolated things kind of merged. And I followed that path. And ultimately, um, I ended up opening a restaurant at after like years of working in Los Angeles and doing pop-ups and catering and having private clients and also doing all this media, I got approached to run a restaurant and um, I ended up opening it here in Portland. An investor wanted to sort of support my vision, but we had the incredible timing of opening six months before the pandemic. And so we didn't survive the pandemic, which is a whole other story, but that, um, and it was it ultimately ended up being a blessing, even though it was not an easy thing to go through. Um, but yeah, that's sort of the short story of how I ended up in food. I love that. And how just one thing led to another. That's yes. just beautiful. And I also come from a culture where it's, um, you know, you become the doctor, a lawyer, uh, businessman, and those are just the categories you're put in. And now I'm seeing the younger generation go going into the culinary arts or um, <clears throat> photography and just other fields, creative fields. And I think it's so beautiful. Uh, yeah. The, the, my parents gave me kind of mixed messages in a way, like to their credit. Like, I think this is actually was a good thing, but like on the one hand, like we were really supported to explore everything. Like I was studying math, but also taking improv classes when I was little, like I was taking art classes, but also like my dad made us do tennis camp, you know, these things that were like, like the well-roundedness of it all. And there was always those conversations of like, getting higher degrees, PhDs, medical degrees, law degrees as like sort of like that's success. That's a marker of success. But then there was also this narrative happening of like supporting my artistic and creative work. Um, yeah, I, I think because of that, like I always felt on some level supported and also just, I think when you have an artistic drive, what, maybe even whether or not you're supported, it's really hard to ignore it. And yeah. so it can eventually sort of catch up with you. And it was like kind of hard for me to ignore how much I loved food and cooking for people. Yeah, I can definitely understand that. I I went through that for many years where I just kept pushing it aside and I'm like, no, this, this isn't going to do anything for me. But once yes. you embrace it and let go of how things are supposed to be, and just allow, I think that's when the magic happens. Yeah, I think, um, yes, I think that thing of just being open and saying yes has been a really big driving force in my life. Like someone recently was pointing out to me that I, when I was telling them about, you know, the details of, of this journey, they're like, wow, you say yes a lot. And I think, yeah, that it hasn't occurred to me to do otherwise. <laughs> and I guess that's a kind of, courage I almost didn't see at first you know yes. because sometimes I think when when interesting opportunities present themselves like it's almost like they've chosen you like what else is there to do but say yes absolutely that's beautiful um so I see cooking as a very creative and meditative process 
for example, I love the challah you made that looked like a tree or mm-hmm. to be Shabbat, the new year for trees, a mm-hmm. Jewish holiday. What does cooking mean to you? Who inspired you? And how do you get these ideas and visions? Yeah. Um, so I think I mentioned that like I was always painting as a kid too. And I really think like the way I plate food and present food is as important to me as like the taste of it. I definitely, yeah, the taste is important. There's no question, but it's hard for me to not want to make it look beautiful. And that that's part of the expression, the creative process. Like it's almost for me, it's not really even how it is to anyone else. Like I just love the colors of produce, the colors of warm baked bread, the shapes that they make. So it's like little paintings, even though I'm not saying like plating food is high art, it's just, but it is creative in that visual way. So I think that's always carried me through my work is like, I really am such a visual person. I see kind of in images. So that comes into my cooking just sort of automatically. And in in terms of like who inspired me, I mean, my grandmother inspired me more than anyone. My grandmother was my biggest inspiration. She, um, everyone in my family is an amazing cook. Um, actually we all cook, but she was truly extraordinary. And, um, and she also really cared about the visuals and I'm sure just being in her kitchen and sitting there and watching her cook, you know, implanted me with the way I do things. So yeah, I feel her um, in my kitchen every day. She she passed away like on the eve of my restaurant's friends and family opening. Oh. It was a very um, sort of, you know, significant timing. And that restaurant was so inspired by her. You know, a lot of the dishes were hers. So yeah, there's no question she's my biggest inspiration. And then of course there's like, professional cooks that I have also been and, and, you know, cookbook writers that have hugely inspired me. I love that. When my kids were little, no, when they were babies and I I would watch the food network and that's when like all the cooking channels, like they became really popular and I would sit and watch them. And I also love the presentation And like when I make salads, I love making them colorful. Or when I go to pick out vegetables, like there's like all these beautiful different colors that I just love to uh, get and bring home and experiment with. So, and I'm, of course, I'm very visual. So, um, and 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 all the colors behind you. Yeah. 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 And I, I, I feel like what you see and putting your body, it's, it's important and it's, the love you put into it, people feel it. My mom would always say, my mom's very much into cooking and my mother-in-law and she always would say, it's you You have to put love in your food and people will feel it. And I'll go to places where I don't like, I'll eat the food and I'm like, there was no love in that food. Uh, I can only always taste if people are angry when they're making their food. It sounds so <laughs> woo-woo, but it's I true. believe you. <laughs> I've been to others restaurants I won't go to because the people making the food are not happy mm-hmm. and it affects the way things taste. And the same thing, like the simplest thing, like, you know, that someone can make for you when it's made for love tastes better than almost anything else. Like people will often say to me like, oh, I'm afraid to cook for you if they invite me over or like, I'm so nervous to cook for you. And I, and I always want to say like, please, please don't be because beyond the fact that I'm the least, I'm just so happy when other people cook for me because I'm cooking all the time. 
it's also that like, generally when you're inviting someone into your home, you're making something with love. So no matter what someone's making, it's almost always really delicious. Even if it's just cheese and crackers or honestly, like grilled hot dogs, like whatever people make, it's, it doesn't have to be fancy. No, exactly. As long as it's made with love and care, I think that's, those are the two most important things. And if you add creativity to it, why not? You know? Yeah. Your, I think you mentioned your family's Persian, right? Yeah. From yeah. Iran. Yeah. I, and I love the food so much. It's uh, incredible yeah. cuisine. It's really delicious. And, you know, they're also into presentation. We're into presentation and look and, um, of course, taste. So all of it, so much color, like in the food with saffron and pomegranate and all those wonderful and herbs are always on everything. Right. Exactly. So it's, um, it's ingrained in you and the, the importance of food. And, and that's why I'm always attracted to people who are in that world, uh, because it's, it's important to me. And I feel like it's something we need to talk about more, you know, sitting together uh, around the table as a family or being in the kitchen together as a family. I grew up with that. I feel there needs to be more awareness around that, the importance of sitting together, the importance of cooking together. And it brings the family, even if you're not the best cook to even bake cookies with your kids you know I I feel like it's important to to have that in your life it's a huge point of connection and you know there's just so um and it's a way of communicating something and so you know sometimes people eat something that they grew up with like oh if I make a dish that people had in their childhood or if I make a dish that someone's grandmother made and then they feel connected to that And then telling the stories to my own family members or like my nieces, the younger generation who like sharing my grandma's recipes with them. And then they have a food memory of it. And there's just like this thread, right? And then it's just the simple act of like nourishing people, you know, especially when you make something truly like nutritious and yummy and warming. Um, There's just, yeah, it's just such a way to care for someone. I agree. And my grandmother was also a big influence and inspiration for me to see her like in her, she was still cooking into her late eighties. And, you know, even though it was sometimes really hard for her and she would make delicious meals and she took pride in in food. And I just admire that. I thought it was beautiful. And, and you also said you, your background is Ukrainian. Yeah. So my entire family immigrated from Ukraine in the late seventies. And I was born later. I was born here in the United States. Um, I was the first born in America. So, and they all came from Ukraine, but at the time it was the Soviet union mm-hmm. and, and, you know, my family's Jewish. And so also Jews were displaced throughout, you know, the war and before the war and for many years. And so after World War II, people were kind of put in Ukraine. So it's kind of, and and one thing people don't always know is that like during the Soviet Union and well before that, Jews weren't considered Russian or Ukrainian or any other kind of thing. They were considered Jewish. So your passport mm-hmm. said Jewish. Mm-hmm. So even if you were from Ukraine, even if you were born there for multiple generations, and you know, much of my family is from Ukraine. 
again, for multiple generations, it's they're still were always considered Jewish. So it's kind of this interesting distinction. But on the other hand, you know, Jewish food influenced Ukrainian food and Ukrainian food certainly influenced Jewish food. And so there's a dialogue between that, even though they were an isolated, marginalized community within a country. Nice. And what's the main dish that you make that is like a favorite or? Well, the main like, yeah, a borscht is, you know, unequivocally like the dish of Ukraine. I mean, it's the most important dish of Ukraine. And also the, one of the most important dishes to me on a personal level, like I happen to really love it. It's a beet soup. Most people think it's served cold. It is not, in fact, typically always served cold. It can be in the summer. It's, um, there's about 400,000 ways of making it. Every family has their own recipe. Beets are a central ingredient. I, our family always made a vegetarian version because we liked it with sour cream. And in Judaism, you don't mix meat and milk, but a lot of people add meat or beef of some kind to their borscht. Um, yeah, I just love it. I just, and it, my grandmother gave me her recipe and that's the one I use. Oh, that sounds amazing. I don't think I've ever had that before. Now I'm curious. <laughs> I'm happy to send you my recipe. <laughs> I would love that. Actually, really fun. Um, we have a beet soup and uh, the Persian, yeah, we a culture like we. There's this delicious beet soup with I think it's with rice. I, I've never made it and some um, spinach or something, and uh, it's my favorite. It's a little sour, but I don't know that's, how. Yeah. Yeah. That's a little, I must be akin to borscht. Borscht is meant to be a little sweet and a little sour. You're always supposed yes. to add like it's a little lemon juice. Song. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And tomato because the tomato brings an acidity to the beets. Yes. I think there's they another dish. Um, yeah. Sorry. There's another dish that has an interesting Persian and Soviet connection and that's uh salad Olivier. Do you yes. know? Yes. So that's a very famous Russian salad that I guess ended up going to Iran and I mean Russian I'm using loosely as like a whole region um which yeah, for our it's, listeners it's a potato salad yeah it's a pretty it's, much we call it either salad olivier or salad de beef well that's what um, we call it yeah that's so funny yeah. and it's potatoes mayonnaise carrots peas eggs usually pickles yeah, and, yeah <laughs> exactly I had no idea look at that well just that just shows you how uh different cultures influence each other yeah, it's really fun. Food crosses over and that's amazing. That's something new I learned today. <laughs> Is there a book or a program uh, you did that has guided you as a creative? Yeah, I I mean, I think be, like the process of creativity, like we're always in dialogue with each other, just like these dishes of food, you know, that influence each other. Like, so great music has influenced me. Like Leonard Cohen has been a huge influence on my life, his writing and his music, and I can't explain it or articulate why just is, but then there's definitely books even recently that I read that have been really helpful to me. There's a book called, um, big magic by Elizabeth Gilbert. I've read that like, I don't know, 10 times. <laughs> yeah. I feel like that's kind of an essential reading for anyone who creates and any, and I think we're all creative. So I'd say it's an essential book for almost anyone. Um, but it's, it's such a great book and it articulated so many lessons that I feel like I've learned in my process and sort of deepened my understanding of them. When I was younger, I did the artist's way. I love that book too. Um, yes. Yes. Yeah. I, I 
read that book as well. That's a good one. Yeah. Yeah. And I think just like, you know, whenever I think taking time to be inspired, like when you're not in the active process, when you're going through any kind of period of, I think rest is important to the creative process. I don't think it's realistic or necessarily helpful to be creating every second all the time, you know? And so I kind of make space for myself to have periods of rest and either that's travel and getting, you know, inspired by new surroundings, but it could also just be like going to a museum. It could be going in the forest. It can be um, reading, you know, a really good book uh, or like I said, listening to really good music. And I think you never know where that creative spark will come from. And so I'm always just sort of like, you know, exploring what are the things that light me up. I learned that from Elizabeth Gilbert's book, Big Magic, where she talked, because I thought like, in order to be creative, you have to be constantly creative, and you're not supposed to stop. And Otherwise, you're being lazy or whatever it is you tell yourself. And she wrote about how she felt like she had this block and she went and started gardening. And that's when she wrote her book that was related to plants. And yes, yeah. And and I was like, this is so fascinating. Okay, so. And I also started to garden and, and just take a break by cooking or like you said, going to a museum and, or traveling and having those moments, that space. And it would, it created more inspiration. Yes. So. The garden is, I also started gardening, um, a lot more in the past few years. I grew up gardening and there's just nothing like taking time to put your hands in dirt. And right. really, even if it's like one pot of dirt, you know, it just does something to your brain. I agree. hundred percent. Did you ever have any fears or limiting beliefs? Oh, sure. Yeah. <laughs> I had nothing but fears and limiting beliefs, <laughs> especially in my twenties. Um, I, like I said, I, it's a miracle. I said yes so much because I was quite an anxious person mm. and really struggled with anxiety. I no longer do because I, I've found some really helpful tools to, to help with that because, you know, fear definitely was not doing me many favors, mm-hmm. but not only did I have a lot of anxiety and fears, I had a lot of doubt. I had a lot of, I put an extraordinary amount of pressure on myself to succeed to be the best in my field, to have everything figured out by 30, which I did not to, you know, to be rich, to be, to all these things that like, in a way we hear we're met supposed to be or markers of true success or, you know, et cetera, et cetera. I felt all of that. I've had imposter syndrome because I, um, I didn't go to culinary school. I I'm self-taught. So there were so many times where I'm like, who am I to like call myself a chef? Who am I to, you know, cook professionally? And, you know, now I'm thankfully past, you know, all that. I think we all maybe have moments of where those old voices pop up, right? But but yeah, I I think it, you know, that's always what I hope to impart to younger people in particular, if like that that pressure we put on ourselves, that inner critic, and especially in our 20s, when it's such a fruitful period of time to 
really just discover who you are and see like, what is it I like doing? What is it that actually brings me joy? Because some people have that amazing gift of knowing exactly what they want to be and exactly what they want to do, but they're truly the minority of people in my experience. And so like, if I could wave a magic wand over everyone in their twenties and just be like, don't worry, like just go have fun and do what makes you happy and also have discipline. Cause I think that's just, I would add like, yes, I believe in rest. Yes. I believe in doing what lights you up, but also there's something, uh, a novelist, Amy Bender, who I love, who lives in LA, actually, she gave a talk at my college. I was probably 20 or 21. And she just talked about showing up and sitting in that chair at her desk, you know, every morning, just making it a point to sit in the chair and create. And even that, if that meant one word, if that meant one sentence, if that meant 10 pages, that practice of showing up was really important to her work. And I really held on to that advice. Yes, that's so true. And um, has the creative process healed you in any way? Um, I mean, all the time, <laughs> like every, every time I'm creating, it's, it's because it's what lights me up, right? It, it's, and so when you're, when you're fired up, when you're happy, when you're joyful, or just when you're turning off that brain, the analytical part of your brain, I just think it lets your body relax or mm-hmm. be in a different state. And not that every time you're creating, it's so like magic and fairy tales. Cause like I said, there's times when you're just sitting in the chair and yeah. you're just like doing the work, but overall, like, yeah, there to me, like that feeling of paint on your brush on a canvas or, you know, reading a sentence you just wrote that like, you didn't even know how you came up with it or making an incredible pie and taking it out of the oven. And it's like, so, so beautiful and smells so amazing. And it hits you. It's all those moments. It's the very little moments to me that are healing and satisfying. Right. And writing is another thing that you do. That's another creative. Yeah. Well, after I lost my business, after um, I closed the restaurant, I, went into a period of radical rest because it took me like a really long time to close the restaurant. There was a lot to deal with. It's actually much easier to acquire and build things than to get rid of things. Mm. And so I, I needed time and I wasn't sure anymore if that kind of service was what was for me, like that form of service. And in that year of dismantling the restaurant, I started writing more seriously again. And I'd always been a writer my whole life. Like I said, it's almost like I hadn't given myself permission or maybe I hadn't even had the space to explore it fully. And there was something in that forced period of not being able to do much else where like writing really emerged as like, wow, oh my God, I love doing this so much. So I write a lot about food now. I I freelance journal. I'm a journal sorry, freelance, right? Sometimes journalism, just sometimes um, writing for other chefs or for food websites. I am, you know, working on a cookbook that I'm self-publishing early next year. And, and then I also have been writing screenplays, which is really, really a joy and something I've been doing since my early twenties when I started working in the film industry. So I'm back to that. And that's been really fun to like uh, revisit. And yeah, I've, 
so writing has kind of taken center stage in my life. Cooking is always there. I cook every day, but it's no longer sort of my focus in terms of my like creative professional career. I love that. Uh, I Writing for me has been like a release of things, you know, like I'll journaling, like I have a, so many journals, diaries, whatever you want to call them. And it's so helpful to get whatever is on your mind onto that paper. And I always talk to people about not just getting that onto paper, but art when you create something, when um, you paint or whatever it is you have inside of you and whatever emotions to get it on paper. So yes. whether it is through writing, you know, or I tell uh, people I work with, because um, <clears throat> I do like art healing uh, classes to have a journal and on one side, write And on the other side, draw. And yes. it's been a process of mine. And it's been so helpful through my most difficult times um, to release whatever is energy is stored up. Yeah. Cause it comes paper. out in different ways. That's why it's like, sometimes it sounds like, mm-hmm. Oh, you're, you're doing so much. And I really, and for me, my creative process is like this weaving of different things. Like they're in conversation. So the part of me that creates food is a little different than what writes, you know, and there's still sort of, it sort of feels like you're a vessel and things kind of flow through you, especially when you're in the zone, right? That's always how it's felt to me. Like this almost isn't my own and big magic also describes that. Um, but yeah, I love that idea of like writing on one page and drawing on the other, cause they are going to release different things. And that is so healing. Uh, Leonard Cohen also back to him. He, he, is known for having said that he was, you know, devoted to blackening the page. And that's mm-hmm. just what he did. He would wake up and, and write and nap and then write. And then, you know, write in the middle of the night. And he would, he would say it took, his process was writing took him a lot longer than maybe like a Bob Dylan who famously writes very quickly. But for, for Leonard Cohen, he would talk about how for every line of a song or poem, he would have to read it under every condition. So he'd write it and then he'd read it tired. He'd read it awake. He'd read it Mm. drunk. He'd read it sober. He'd read it angry. He'd read it happy. And only when he had read it in every state of being, would he commit to that line. And I just, that is not my process. I'm more Bob Dylan-y. I'm more like real fast, get it out. But the, I also love that there's these, all these ways to do this. This is not like a one size fits all. And right. so for me, right, the cooking, the writing, they're connected for someone else that may feel like too much, but we have these different things available to us. Yes. And that's why I love interviewing creatives because I hear about their different process where you're like, oh, that's interesting. I never even thought of that. And everyone has their own creative way of doing things. And I just, and I want to show that there isn't just one way and there are no rules. Like you can do it however way you like, and it will turn out, you know. And about like, like, let's say you're not a visual artist. The thing about cooking, I think that can be so great when you get into it because some people, you know, they've just, they find it overwhelming or they don't really do it or they don't know how to do it. 
And one thing, you know, when I teach cooking classes, which I've done a lot over the years, um, my main objective is to get people out of fear and to get out of the sense of right or wrong way to do it. And the cooking is an amazing place to strengthen self-trust, which I think is also part of the creative process for me, because like recipes don't always work. And even when they are written perfectly, the air, the water, the actual vegetable you're using, everything is different. So it's very, it's impossible to, if you gave the same recipe to the 10 best chefs in the world, they would make it differently, right? Even if they followed it the same. So there's this trust element that like, you know, when something's not right and you trust yourself to fix it as you're cooking, to add more salt or to lower the heat or to add a little water. And the more you cook, the more you just do that. You just start like intuitively knowing how to fix food or make it better or make it your own. So I love that as like a compliment to a creative's work, because I do think it's in the kitchen where it grounds you one in what you're doing. Cause it's hard to like focus on much else. And two, it builds this, like really this relationship to self-trust. Yeah, I, I agree. Absolutely. Do you have any words of wisdom for all the creative spirits out there? Um, <laughs> I think, you know, the things we've talked about, yeah, like that, that permission to allow yourself to explore and to, to find what brings you joy without judgment and the saying yes. And the, you know, and then that last piece of just trusting that, you know, what you want to create and that your voice is so important. Like every, you just never know who you're going to resonate with and your unique voice is like no one else's. Mm -hmm. And so I just, you know, I'm really excited when I see people in their own, like true selves, creating whatever that is, you can feel it. Right. Yes. So I guess that is my, (laughs) that's my advice. (laughs) Yeah, I feel like so many creatives stop themselves from doing the things that they want because they compare and they look at people who are more advanced and have the fear of being judged maybe and giving that permission to themselves. I think that's that's a big thing and to just allow whatever's supposed to come through to come through and I don't think people sometimes I feel like they see the end product and they didn't really see the whole journey of getting you know the person who is more advanced and more successful they didn't see all the failures they had or the roadblocks or the difficulties they only see oh wow look they are making this much money or look at what they're producing, look how advanced they are. They don't see the hours of work that went into it. Yeah. Yeah. And my, my mother gave me the greatest advice, which is like, I think, you know, she's not the only one to say it, but it's, you know, comparison is always a losing battle. I mean, she would just constantly remind me to not my, compare myself to others. Hundred What a gift to get, you know, what a, what an important piece of advice to be raised with 
because it's just impossible, but we all do it. Like, oh, you yes. know, that doesn't mean I don't compare myself. That doesn't mean I don't have my moments and certainly have had, but I think the more we can just shift our attention when that happens, uh, the better off we are. hundred percent. And, and I think earlier you were saying how, when you create something, it's not like if you give it to different chefs, like one recipe, they're all going to create it differently. I feel that's the same with art too. Like, Earlier on, I would try to copy someone's work and it didn't turn out at all like theirs because it's my energy. And I yeah. learned because I was just starting and I and I love that person's work and I was trying to learn from them and just practicing my skill. And it never, it would always turn into something different. And that's when I learned that the creative process isn't the same for everyone and it's the, the energy within you is going to create something different. So absolutely. Yeah. yeah. To allow that and not resist it so much. Once you start, once I start allowing like, okay, I am going to just create and I'm going to see what style comes out of it. And I think this could relate to cooking as well, because there are some people who are so intimidated by being in the kitchen and by cooking and looking at what someone else is doing and how much of a better uh, chef or cook they are and they don't try it themselves and I, I feel like they're robbing themselves of that experience of what could be and uh to bring it's that it's empowering too yeah. when you make something and it tastes good to you and it's the way you like it. It's so empowering. And yeah, certainly cooking is really not your thing. That's totally fine. You don't have to cook. But I feel like for those who have always been curious and maybe haven't tried it or intimidated. Yeah. I, I just, there's just no wrong way to do it. No. Yeah. And I, and that's with art too. There's just no wrong way. If you get a paintbrush and just splatter it on the canvas, which Jackson Pollock, he did. And he was not a good artist, like traditional artist, but he found a way. I feel like as creatives, we can all find a way to do that. For the past year and a half or so, I have been baking kala, and I was so scared to do that. I yeah. <laughs> was like, how am I? And, and in the beginning, it did not. It was like solid as a rock. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and because the yeast was old, I realized later that the yes. yeast was old. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and it was in a jar. I thought it was fresh. And with time and practice, it began to get better and better and better. And now everyone loves the holiday break. And don't make, but don't get me wrong. There are times where it doesn't turn out yeah. quite right. And that's okay. Even if, for me. Yeah, even for you, okay? <laughs> even for me. I mean... I, I've spent 10 years developing my recipe for challah. I have had many of my own failures and, or what I perceived as failures, even if they weren't to others, sometimes they were, sometimes they weren't. And I think challah is like one of those amazing recipes to start with because, and this idea that you're going to get it perfect the first time that you make something is like, how do we, how do we dissolve that? Because <laughs> 
some things take time and challah is one of those things that like every time you make it, even if it came out great, the first time you made it, it's only going to improve. It's only going to get better. And it's like every year I make challah and I've been making it for a long time now, I still learn and still get better. I still do little changes here and there. You know, the other year I realized it really matters if you're baking your challah in the center of your oven or not, or at least in my home oven. And that when I was putting two challahs in at the same time on different racks, they weren't coming out right. Like I just learned that in the past year. So there's, you know, always times that you're like deepening your practice with something you're, there's just no end to the learning. There isn't, there isn't any end to it. Uh, well, that's, I have to get your <clears throat> challah recipe for sure. Yes. Yeah. I, uh, <laughs> I'm going to finally, I've never published it before. It's going to be in my first cookbook, which will come out in the, in the early 2023. Oh, um, and I will finally share, but I will, before that happens, I'll give you my challah recipe. <laughs> I would love to be on that list to get sure. your cookbook. Yes. Yeah, so Absolutely. yeah. And, and you have a podcast too. Can I you do. share with our audience? Yeah. It's kind of all about what we're talking about, which is it's a home cooking podcast um, with one of my closest friends, Carrie Lordson. She and I both started out as personal chefs in Hollywood around the same time. And we've collaborated a lot over the years and we just kept having these conversations about food. And I'd always learned something from her, even though obviously this is like to this point, you're just constantly learning no matter how much you do it. And we're like, well, we wanted something to collaborate on. She lives in LA. I live in Portland and we miss each other. We're like, how can we keep collaborating even if we're not in the same city? And this podcast was sort of born out of that. And also just so that we can share some of these recipes with other people and ideas. So we uh, have new recipes out weekly. Like I said, they're all geared to home cooks. They have tons of links and all the show notes. So, and it's called uh, Food Friends. You can find it on iTunes and Spotify and wherever you listen to podcasts. Food friends. Awesome. Yeah. <clears throat> I will be checking it out for sure. Thank and you. I hope our audience will too and found this uh, episode inspiring. And can you tell us where else people can find you? Yeah. I'm on Instagram. It's where you can mainly find me, Sonia. You can find me at Sonia Michelle Sanford. Um, I also have a website, soniasanford.com. And yeah, those are the main places to find me. Awesome. And we'll put this in the show notes too. Great. And people can also see this on my YouTube channel. Um, and yeah, thank you for being here with me. Thanks so much for having me, Cheryl. It's so nice to finally meet you and yeah. get to talk about something I really care about. Likewise, it was such a pleasure and very inspiring. Now I'm inspired too. <laughs> I know I want to come to your house and eat. I really love Persian cooking. So I hope oh, that I happens. Have, so if you're ever in the LA area, please give me a call and I will, I love having guests over and um, it's what we do. We welcome people in our home and uh, have them over for dinner, lunch, whatever. It's an act of love and appreciate That would be so wonderful. I'd love that. Well, have a great rest of your day. Thank you. You too. Thank you for listening to today's Creative Spirits podcast. 
If you would like to get to know me better, you can go to my website, CherylBenji.com, or follow me on Instagram at CherylBenji underscore art. If you would like a creative coaching session with me, please contact me through my website. You can also join my Creative Spirits Facebook group or Saturday Night Live Art Shows Facebook group. Please follow and share with anyone that might be interested in this podcast. It would mean the world to me. I believe in the butterfly effect and spreading the good vibes into the universe. You never know who you will impact by sharing. Love and light and magic always. Thank you.